So, um, <clears throat> what is obvious uh, that in meditation we need to have energy. Energy has to come from somewhere. Yeah. And uh, meditation, uh, proper cultivation, is a way of accessing and generating energy, restoring one's energies so that uh, some of the applications one makes of effort doesn't make you lose energy, actually restores, regenerates, refreshes you. To learn that kind of energy, where that energy is, and an energy that as you touch into it, um, refreshes you. So it's not like working and then feeling depleted. Actually, as you work, you feel uh, enthused and you feel uplifted and you feel healed. And I mean that quite literally. It's um, There's quite a few of you kind of spluttering and hacking and sniffling and woozing. <laughs> Some of you I just like kind of wrap you up in bed for a week. <laughs> Looks like you need it. <laughs> uh, obviously, but one doesn't notice how um, you know daily life on Main Street is really whacks you around um, when perhaps one isn't you know physically doing that much, but just you're, you're actually in energy fields which are jabbing hard, incisive, frantic, um, and they wear you down. Yeah. Yeah, we actually, we, 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 you know, we're human beings, we're thinking creatures, but we're actually we have, we have animal bodies, we have sensitivities there that um, are not always taken into account in daily modern life. We're more like thinking machines with flesh bags underneath and you put the, the, the fuel in. <laughs> and uh, so at the end of the day, you know, you can feel really quite wasted. And you have, what have I done? You know, sat behind a car, you know, sat behind a computer, sat in an office, sat somewhere, did a lot of sitting today. Um, talked, you know, had a rather hard driving discussion with this person, someone who's a little bit abrasive towards me, I had to receive that and struggle with that and then, you know, and all these things actually you can feel them challenging your your kind of emotional resources and your emotional energies very much tap into your your sense of well-being and that affects your general vitality. So, um, you get, when you get very jarring and uh, corrosive um, um, psychological, um, mental, emotional stuff happening, it very much affects your vitality. And when it affects your vitality, it actually starts to affect your, the running of your body. So, one, we do note that uh, in, certainly in, in modern life, you, know, you get all these kinds of things, people have all sorts of um, allergies and immunity systems packing up and 
you know, and, and yet people are very well fed and nourished, and you say, what's happening? Because uh, people are connected to TVs and computers and cars and electricity and the kind of messages and the rhythms that those things bring up are really not conducive to um, soft regenerative energy. They're stimulating, but the stimulation just bleeds one's resources. This is something to be just to, to, to check out for yourself. You know, why we like to go somewhere where it's woods and beaches, quiet places where there's the sea and the wind and the sun, these things you feel, you know, just being in that without doing very much, you feel your vitality come back. Yeah. So when you, when you come on a retreat and you've come off of uh, Main Street, then you have to spend some time just, um, you know, assembling your energy system, getting yourself healthy in a vitality way. It's, it's because there's not a lot of, of, of real acknowledged awareness of this, and we tend to associate energy with effort. Uh, I think energy, energy is not the same as effort. Effort is the application of energy. Yeah, so you have to have some energy before you can really have effort. But um, when this is not understood, then people put forth effort, but they don't have actually any energy to back it up. So you have a kind of willpower, and got to do it, and compulsion, but you haven't actually got any anything kind of to back it up with. So you're flogging a dead horse, as they say. <laughs> and this can very happen in, in, in daily life, where you know, the, the emphasis is on getting your job done and getting there on time, and that's it, you know, that's the requirement. But one isn't in a system that actually provides you with the energy to, to do that. So you, you end up using just willpower and coffee, um, you know, and fear, basically, <laughs> to keep going. Uh, so yeah, you, that, when that happens, you, you, you start to um, drain out and, and wreck, or at least damage, your, your kind of energy system. Meditation and the awareness that meditation brings can, can be very restorative. But it's important not to go into meditation like it's another job, you know, where you've got to get it done and you've got to achieve certain things within your 30 minutes or whatever it is, uh, or on your retreat, you know, because that the the whole um, conditioning around energy and effort is if you know you're not really making you're not able to make the effort because you haven't got the energy well then you, you feel guilty, you're not trying hard enough. Get motivated, will you? <laughs> what do you think this is? <laughs> Holiday camp, get working, you know. So you get that kind of experience, you start to feel guilty because you're feeling a bit kind of groggy, snap out of it, you know, pull yourself together, snap out of it, keep going, you know. 
I hear to doze and laze around. Um, maybe you just all, all sold out. That's why. So, but then one can, because of that, the kind of the work ethic is one where, if you're not making the effort, then you're lazy, or you're not interested, or you're not committed, or you know, it's definitely there's a pejorative quality to it. And whether you have the energy or not is not really acknowledged. Uh, so in this uh, teaching, and energy is seen as in, ver- in a few patterns. The Buddha gave various patterns to his teachings, like you know you could, so you could review how particular factors fitted in with other factors of the path. So energy, in one one analysis, you have what are called the indriya, which are which means that the leaders or the authorities, the support faculties. And they're named after Indra, king of the gods. So it means it's something some that actually is a, a leading and a dominating and something that's got uh, authority to it. So these are the five Indriyas, are your five um, kind of dominant spiritual faculties. And this is uh, Sadha, which I mentioned yesterday, is faith. And energy is the next. Sati, or mindfulness, is the third. Samadhi, the fourth and uh, Panya, Wisdom, the fifth. So these, these are five, five Indriya, five supports. And we can see, for example, there, well, you start off with faith, so that gives you an idea of um, one way into energy. It begins with, with faith, if you like, because faith, there's a certain um, momentum is started with faith. You know, when there's faith, there's a, yes, things are possible. There's a further, there's something, there's a moving out of, of one's um, known, and one's boundaries, one's, uh, one's um, nesting place. There's a sense of moving out when it's faith, it's the going forth. So that means that when we have faith, it means um, we feel there is a better um, in, in this case, we say, well, you know, I'd like to practice the Buddha's path. I'm inspired by that. Something pulls me, something attracts me. Therefore, because of that dynamic of being attracted uh, forward, then there's energy. There's a heart energy. Mm-hmm. Because of that heart energy, then uh, one begins to be able to be mindful, to recollect, to, to focus. And this leads to collectedness or the unification of the mind, samadhi, and then panya, which is the the uh, understanding or the wisdom that that becomes possible once our mind and heart, once this all fully come together, then we can really see things very clearly. Um, <coughs> energy is seen as a, something that balances out the the tranquility of samadhi. So if you get too, if your tranquility is too too strong, then your energy begins to decline. You get sluggish and stale. So energy and samadhi balance each other out. Mm. Another way in which this um, energy is seen is in terms of what are called the the paths to to success or idipada, and these are another sort of 
recollection without the skillful way to do anything, you know, spiritual or otherwise. And this is the first factor is chanda, which means one's interested. One, um, chanda means one, one gives one's assent. One really is willing to something. One wills towards something. One is interested, ar- aroused. And after that, there comes energy, virya, which is energy, and then chitta, which means that you, your heart is in it. You're really aware. You're really in touch with what's going on. You know, you're, you're right there with it. And through that, there is that experience of vimanksa, which means deliberation. You're, you're, you're fully with something. So now you can actually turn your, your attention towards it, knowing that you're really with that, and, and understand it. So you get a similar kind of pattern that first of all is the arousing, um, the kind of arousing which comes from the, from the mind or the heart, an arousing of interest of some kind, of faith. Because of that, energy is born. Um, there is a process whereby the energy is, um, one is aware, one's awareness, one's mindfulness, touch, uh, monitors that and applies that to specific purposes. It's, it's applied and because of that uh, application the mind comes together, it settles, it unifies and we can investigate what's going on. So this kind of process, one can investigate mind, one can fully understand this, this experience. process of um, <clears throat> having that kind of interest or faith and getting that the energy to to because one's one's enthusiastic and then in through the process of mindfulness actually being able to translate that interest into a physical energy now this is quite interesting because we, we may very well conceive that meditation, spirituality is, is sort of immaterial stuff. Um, you know, the, the Western uh, mindset tends to separate body, material things and immaterial things and we regard the immaterial as the kind of higher, as if you like. The spirituality is, is kind of totally, you know, um, non-physical experience. Um, but you see that the process in, in, in uh, Buddhist meditation is to come from, say, an ideal or an idea and then to translate that into bodily experience because it's putting it through this bodily experience is where your energy is actually um, engendered, enriched and put to specific usage. Mm. I mean, one of the problems for uh, a meditator is that if you don't do that, if you don't put your, your interest and energy through the body channel, it tends to go into your mind. And what happens is you get quite spaced, spaced out, or you think a lot. Or you find that you're getting sort of strange energies, you know, sort of sudden surges or shoots. You get people twitching and... and uh, <laughs> spinning around, 
because the energy isn't balanced. You know, you've gone up into the head, perhaps. And, um, you know, there are even um, uh, some unfortunate cases where people get quite deluded and, you know, get this kind of energy into their minds and they think, I'm enlightened, I'm the enlightened one, and they get kind of messianic for a, a day or two until, you know, you sort of gradually talk them down to the ground again. And it's, <laughs> and it's not that, that people are, are crazy, it's just, um, you know, what happens to, to just losing balance, really. So any of us, when we lose balance and we get into a, a purely a mind-wrought state that hasn't gone through that, that, that healing place, we're liable to get caught up in perceptions, ideas that are uh, suspect and, and deluding. This channel of the body is very significant. Um, as a, the foundation for mindfulness, primary foundation body, because it's something which is, it's, it's, it's the, the delusions around the body are, are easy to get through compared with the delusions around the mind. It's kind of, it, you know, the body can't really hide itself like the mind can. It's there. <laughs> and it grounds you and it earths you. And it's the source of, of energy. You know. So energy may be, uh, you know, come from an emotional space or a, a psychological space, but it's, it's really engendered and translated into, into mindfulness through the, through the body. And uh, the Buddha said that um, mindfulness, those who practice mindfulness of the body, they, are, they will taste the deathless. And there is no tasting of the deathless without mindfulness of the body. So there's one section of the scriptures where he gives about 90 suttas on benefits of mindfulness of the body. So, you know, he was convinced. <laughs> When we experience body in and of itself, then we're experiencing body through body consciousness. Mm-hmm. So this means rather than a description of the body, an idea, um, a view, a doctrine, the body is this, the body is that, we're actually just, uh, ex- what is body in its own terms expresses itself through body consciousness. You know, body consciousness is, is the tactile consciousness, the tangible consciousness. So how does body express itself in that sense? What is the expression of the body through the tactile consciousness? And so, you know, this is your 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 contact point for for mindfulness of the body within the body. It means you begin to experience body as um, a flow of sensations, tactile sensations. Some of them you associate with warmth, some of them you associate with 
solidity or pressure, something you associate with movement and vibration. Some of them are about flow, cohesiveness. They just kind of really explore what this body, how this body expresses itself in its own terms. When you close your eyes and give up the, the visual map of the body, you know, put that to one side, and very, very intimate with your body, and give up the mental notions, the purely mind-wrought ideas of, you know, my body is, is this shape or this size or it's old or it's young or whatever. Wearing out, or you know, you may have some kind of view about it. Uh, but then all this, this is something we just put it aside and try to get a, a fuller feeling for this very this dimension of body consciousness. Walking, standing, sitting, lying down. Noticing, say, when you when you sit, what is your body? How would you define it in its own terms? There's a certain pressure here. There's a certain movement, repeated movement here. There's a certain tingling and pulsing here. There's something that's kind of warm or cool here. This feels hard or dry. This feels soft and moist. These kind of things. They're just very elemental experiences. They're called, this is the realm of the four elements, earth, air, fire and water. And these are, if you like, are, are the body's metaphors for the experience that it has. It's quite a simple vocabulary the body has. Not the incredibly evolved vocabulary of the eyes or the, or the brain. Quite simple. The earthiness, the moisture, the flowing, the warm, the vibrant, these kinds of experiences. Now this, um, because, because it's, it's, very, it's much simpler, it means your, your mind gets simpler. You don't have to carry such a big dictionary to, to understand what's going on. It's only got four words in it. <laughs> so you don't have to remember very much either. And there's not as much to say about it because they don't, they don't do anything. They just come and go <laughs> and flow around. So this means it's quite, uh, this, why this leads to, to a, a kind of calming of the mind because it just takes so much um, tension out, out of the mind's discriminative faculties. They relax. Because we're, but you're, you relax in terms of analysis but what occurs is there's a deeper sensitivity. Because those experiences in body consciousness, they're felt. 
they're, they're experiences that are they're tactile and what you recognize about the tactile consciousness is that the tactile is exactly it's a receptive experience hmm? it's just receiving impressions isn't it really now your, your mind both receives impressions and also um, formulates impressions comes up with decisions comes up with structures, past, future, right, wrong, this, that, so on, going to do this, mustn't do that. It comes up with a lot of creative stuff. So much so that um, its receptivity gets masked by its creativity. There's not much space left. And that aspect of mind is highly enhanced. not a lot of space there. And uh, uh, we can live from that, that particular, that way the mind works, tends to then influence what we, the way we live our lives. When I was coming to America, coming out of the monastery where I'd been on a two-month silent retreat in a monastery with nothing happening in the wintertime, apart from the Things, you know, boiler blew up, but that was the only event really for two months. (laughs) So it's pretty quiet, you know, and it's very regulated. And then you get to Heathrow, and suddenly, you know, wow, that is all shining steel and neon and lights flickering. And I went to the check in desk with my bags and picked my bag up and put it on the thing. And this man said, (laughs) (laughs) I said, what? (laughs) Uh, That meant, is this one bag or two? Oh, one bag or two. I said, oh, this is is a a hand luggage. (laughs) So what does that mean? That means go to departure gate 19. (laughs) I couldn't believe anyone could speak so fast. It was like... Every piece of silence between those words had been pared away. <laughs> so it's just like the sounds have been compacted together. What would have taken me a minute to say, he'd got down to 10 seconds. He'd, all that useless space he'd stripped out. <laughs> Unproductive, waste of time. So the effect is just like, for my mind, just like being you know, stabbed. And he wasn't being unpleasant, you know, he kind of got his smile out and stuck that on his face while he said it. He wasn't being at all, un- you know, he was just being official. But there was no, you know, there actually was no awareness, really, there. He could have said that to a, you know, if it had been a cow, he'd have said the same thing. There was no, <laughs> no kind of feeling, well, what's this person's mind at, what would actually, where would they, you know, what would actually be, how would it affect them? It was just spit these words out as quick as possible and get to the next person. So no quality of receptivity or either, you know, to, to the person you're talking to uh, 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 and the absence of space. And that's pretty much the story on the kind of public sector. Space is a waste of time. And we don't want to be that, you know, empathetic because that brings in all kinds of other confusing issues. So... <laughs> You know, you just throw it out there 
and you catch it and get running and throw it onto somebody else. So the mind operates like that. It's just like so. You, it just shoots out, shoot, 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 shoot. Um, and so the quality of attention of receptivity is diminished. <coughs> so if you're a Buddhist monk, it's pretty. This is quite a difficult realm to live in. It was getting stuck in lift doors because it didn't jump in in the elevator quick enough. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you kind of push the button and you mindfully pick up your bag, you half win and a clang. <laughs> That's where we're dying out, you know. <laughs> See, guys, guys stuck in lift doors and they didn't cross the road fast enough, you know. So when we talk about something like you know mind and mindfulness, for most people, you know the reference there is to a thinking machine. And so when we, you know, you talk about mind mindfulness, then instinctively we go to something that's the kind of analytical thinking experience. Um, we 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 feel yeah that's what mind is. So you talk about, um, you know. The only way you can bring across this other aspect of mind is you talk about heart. Oh, yeah, heart. Well, that's what we do on Saturdays, isn't it? (laughs) You you get your little heart slot on a Saturday evening, whatever. Um, You know, on Christmas Day. Um, Or it's an emotional experience. But heart, but that isn't quite right either. Because uh, it's not really... um, We're talking about you know, an effective, a sensitivity, an empathetic experience, an experience of, of awareness, of resonance. Yeah. And this is probably most, most easily accessed through um, bringing your attention to bear upon the tactile consciousness, because tactile consciousness itself is a kind of resonant experience. It's about pulses, it's about flows, it's about tingling, it's about pressures, it's like that. So there's a feeling of it. And when you so you bring your attention to that, the the likelihood is that you will actually sensitize and receive that rather than think about it or decide what it is or manipulate it. But it's important to to go through that process, if you like, of of downshifting from the head stuff which has got edges around it and, you know, is in linear patterns and decides and does and makes and behaves and controls and develops into something that just sit, just listens and feels. This is what we call citta um, in the Pali language. Citta is the effective experience of awareness. So in, for in, in daily life and for a person who, whose jitta, whose awareness has not been uh, made healthy and strong, then 
um, this is also the place of fear. This is also the place of moods, of, of uh, shadowy motive states that we don't really understand. Um, so, you know, this, this resonance, this, you know, the resonant mind or the citta also has, it's not just the kind of place of great purity, it's a place of some affliction. There are echoes there because there are things that are still echoing in that resonance, the emotional stuff, um, which maybe, you know, we could tra- trace back for, for years. Um, in, in, in Buddha Dharma, they say even lifetimes. Yeah. There's still the, the footfalls of karma, of action, of what one has been done, or what has been done, what one has received. So th- this is where um, the, the, there are patterns of resonance in the citta that are afflicted. They're fearful, they're nervous, they're hungry, they're desperate, they're pained, they're hurt, they're passionate, they're angry, like that. And so the citta um, has to be healed, to be cured and purified purify the mind. And one way of purifying it is by bringing it into one of the simple ways. It doesn't, it's not a, a by itself. It, it can clear away some of, the, some of the ailments, some of the distresses, is to bring that, that effective empathetic quality of awareness onto something that is, that is benevolent. So, so a benevolent uh, resonance, a benevolent vibration. And this is where a body comes in. Body, the home base, the mother. And specifically the pattern of breathing, which is our home base. So if you recognize what are the, your primal experiences, they probably be heartbeat and breath as a, as a human being. As a baby, the thing that you pick up, the pattern you pick up is the soft, repetitive heartbeat and then the experience of breathing. So this is home base, body consciousness. Those are the two primary factors of a body. For a meditator, then the breath is the primary mode because this breath is a far more expansive and suffusive um, effect than the heartbeat. Heartbeat is is quick, but it, it's it doesn't suffuse. When you with the breath actually is the, it's called the the body conditioner, the kaya sankara, which means it's the the, the body conditioner, the body determinant, the body toner, the, the reference point of body. So as you breathe in, and, and what occurs is your, your, your body energy is, is vitalized by that, by that breathing in. Your body tones with that. When you breathe out, your body tone relaxes with that. So that just that continual play of invigorating, arousing and then relaxing just like it's like a cradle if you like so that putting 
the citta into that flow so it's it's gently soothed and rocked and relaxed into that into that rhythm if you contemplate uh, uh, the 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 breath the breath experience in in terms of body experience so don't think of like watching your breath or you know or knowing your breath in, in as a kind of conceptual thing or the or the kind of um, the way that the mind will, the, the thinking mind or the, will go to the breath, that is, find it, get to it, hold it, concentrate on it, get there, be with it, which is, you know, your old nine to five habit again. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, don't waste time. And, um, and so it's quite a, a, a tight and a snatchy experience that does not uh, gladden the heart. It causes, um, it's, it causes stress and tension. You get quite tight like that. You may even find you've got headaches. And the mind doesn't settle into it because it's not, it's not a relationship. It's not an empathetic experience. It's not a resonant experience. It's not a bonding together. It's something trying to control something else. So you don't really find your mind settling into calm and samadhi and you don't find yourself feeling refreshed by that. You get you get sort of concentrated in a way, but um, not through uh, not in a way that gives rise to joy and ease, which are the two um, two key factors of samadhi, sense of delight, rapture and a sense of ease and comfort. So these two things, when we think of samadhi, and you use a word like concentration, be wary of that, because yeah, you can translate it like that, but essentially the key factors of samadhi are is happiness. And there's a sutta where the Buddha says, uh, for one whose body is relaxed and at ease, then there is happiness. For someone who has happiness, then there is samadhi. It goes like that. It cannot be for one whose body is relaxed. There is no need to consider how can I be happy. You will be happy. For one who is happy, there is no need to make the effort. How can I concentrate? Your mind easily concentrates. And this is the happiness of, of, of ease and comfort. It's not a stimulated, excited happiness. It's the happiness of well-being. So that is that's the that's the the herald, that's the uh, of samadhi, that quality. So this is what we're moving towards. So anything that that doesn't conform to that pattern will not bear great fruit. Do your do your does your practice move and incline towards joy, towards enthusiasm, towards enjoying yourself? feeling whole, does your practice incline towards feeling comfortable and feeling at ease? And it may be that we thought, well, yeah, okay, our comfort and ease is basically adopt the horizontal, pull the blanket overhead. The idea of actually sitting up and you know, doing something and yet feeling at ease. Yeah. Because how do we do things? 
Do we do things from the way that we, we do things at work and school and so forth? Is it coming from that kind of tight, get it done, get it right, get it done on time and get it right and don't waste time? Is it coming from that kind of attitude? Do, do we find ourselves meditating in that place? Because that's the primary place we've learned to put forth effort from that. Don't be aware of your body. Get on and get it done. <laughs> Even to, you know. So, when it's like that, then we, it, it's, you, get, you get caught in this um, treadmill. Not really enjoying the meditation at all, but you feel you've got to do it. So you do it, but you're not really enjoying it, so it doesn't really work. So you think you're not putting forth enough effort, so you try a bit harder. But trying hard makes you feel tired and stressed. So you think, oh, I must be defiled, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the wrong way. you go through body consciousness then it, it really doesn't make much difference whether you're standing, sitting or walking or if you're really attuned you can practice lying down you know, if your energies are properly attuned you don't, you don't, you don't sleep you, know, you can actually stay awake lying down it doesn't make a lot of difference you know, so you don't have to get too picky over, over exactly this kind of you know, system or place just, just body because the body doesn't know very much. He knows, you know, fire, earth, air, water, vibration, this kind of experience, and, and, and using the breath. Training, uh, using that tactile consciousness, and then as, as the thing to go to, and recognizing when you go to that, you have to go to it with your receptivity, with your sensitivity. You're feeling it out. And this may be something that that you haven't done a lot of, or you haven't really used that faculty. So at first it's clumsy and numb. You know, your mind doesn't feel confident in that. So you have to do quite, maybe quite simple momentary things like being aware of the feeling, and aware of the strong feeling like in your hands, palm of your hand, and then putting all your awareness to that and in the palm of the other hand putting your awareness into that and noticing the difference and noticing that your awareness shifts right hand, left hand now your right hand comes up very big on the screen and then you put it away and then your left hand comes up very big on the screen and just recognizing that it's interesting you know, you, you, there, is, there is a map there there is a screen of body consciousness and that you can actually be completely a hand and the rest of it disappears and you can be completely another hand and the rest of it disappears you know, and you just get that particular pattern of sensations so you can, you can, you know, you can use the steering of the mind just, just to, to deflect your receptivity to particular zones of sensation
So the idea of the body being you know, actually experienced as, as legs and feet and arms and ears and teeth and nose and things like that, you see, no, it's never like that, actually. It's always, if you're aware of it, if you're in terms of tactile awareness, it's a really <laughs> strange thing. There you are, you know, tactile awareness. What have you got? Well, you've got maybe some legs, um, hand, ears, no ears, no nose, no eyebrows. Oh, bits of it have gone. And so, so we're not, but you can always detect these patterns of sensation. So when you do breathing, breathe and experience the patterns of sensation of the breath. You don't have to think about your nose or your chest, or even whether breathe going up and down, rising and falling. So this was um, something that I, when I started meditating, I started I was told to contemplate the rising and falling of the abdomen. So if I breathed in and out, I'd think, well, rising and falling of the abdomen. So rising and falling of the abdomen, breathing in, so breathing in, rising of the abdomen, breathing out, falling the abdomen. There's a diaphragm, breathing in, rising the diaphragm, breathing out, falling of the diaphragm. So I actually had that, that awareness of that. And then somebody, somebody actually said, well, when you breathe in, your, your diaphragm actually drops. It doesn't rise. <laughs> you know, it goes the other way. But actually, I so programmed it that when I breathed in, I was aware of my diaphragm going up, rising, because that's what I told it was doing. So that's the impression in my brain, you know, not really understanding, you know, the way the system works. So in, I feel a sense of kind of going up, so I guess my diaphragm's going up. So this the, the programming of the brain actually, you know, not substituting for direct awareness of what's really going on. But when you when there is an in breath, there is some sense of 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 an arising of an expansion, but it isn't your diaphragm that's going up and down. <laughs> What's going up and down? Hmm? You think, well, um, probably chest, I suppose, or something. It doesn't matter, but there's that, that, there's that experience of an expansiveness. And what, what you can look at it in its own terms, and you've got the, the, when, the, when there's the arising or the breathing in, the breath is the positive dynamic experience, so that's like a pressure, and the body yields. The other, bo- the other, the other body energies yield, they, they, they relax. So there's a sense of something pushing up within and a softening around it, so there's a sense of expansion. Because if you like, the outer aspects of that, of that body pattern relax and soften, and the core of it is strong and vigorous. You've got a kind of yang and yin thing going on there. And then when it gets to the, to the end of the in-breath, the breath is quite strong, and you get this strong sensation. And then it, the, the pattern flips over. 
That is, what starts to occur is the breath then becomes the yielding and the, the body becomes the, the dynamic. So as you breathe out, you get this, this experience of the body seems to contract or become heavier, more dense, and the breath softens. So it softens and relaxes, disappears. Then it comes back and it gets strong and yang again, and the body softens and disappears. Then the body re-emerges, re crystallizes, and the breath softens and disappears. You get this lovely interplay of like a yang and yin experience between the, the, the breath and the, the body, um, the tactile impressions around it. So this is where you get, because of that polarity between something that's uh, between, if you like, the yielding um, and the, the active, this is where you get a, a, an energy transfer. Just as when you have a battery, you have a positive and a negative terminals, and energy comes because of the connection between those two, you get the energy flow between those. Similarly, in your, in your body, you get the energy flow between the passive or the receptive and the active. And this occurs in the experience of breathing. So as you breathe in and out, there is this, um, and that's fully enhanced. That is, instead of putting a mindset on top of it, which suppresses it, or controls it, or concentrates on it, or meditates on it, or does some other trip on top of it, we, we, we give that up, and we just go to the body. Then you, you experience that. You experience the body softening, and expanding, breath being strong and vigorous, arising within you, and the body softening and yielding as you breathe in, and then the reversal as you breathe out, the breath softening and yielding and relaxing, and the body becoming stronger and pushing the breath out. So this is interplay. And just as in a dynamo or in a battery, it's that interplay where you get energy builds up. Energy, energy is generated by the interplay. So, uh, focusing on that is where you get the the the, the sign or the 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 experience of continuity. So you get that the energy that's associated with that breathing experience becomes a continual sign, a continual experience that you can you can register. You can focus on the, the energy shadow or the energy echo or the energy resonance behind the physical breath, you know, which occurs through that interplay between the tissues or the energy of the body and the energy of the breath. So there's where you get uh, a breath energy that is not the air. You know, it's not the, the air moving in out of the lungs. And when it's not the air moving out of the lungs, then it's something that can suffuse the whole body. And it can, it can suffuse the whole body, and it can be directed by the empathetic mind or the citta. 
So this way, now the the direction for the citta is just like the, the where um, our our mind is moved normally through when we're not directing it, um, you know, through thought, through deliberate thought. Notice how the mind does still kind of keep swinging and swaying, doesn't it? It's directed, and it's directed normally by things such as wanting, uh, remembering, fancying, uh, feeling a bit depressed, unhappy. Um, it's, it's, it's moved around by moods and emotions. But it's certainly capable of movement. You sit here uh, and in a, in a moment, you know, you're back 10 years ago, in a moment you're in Florida, and the next moment you're on the other side of the moon, and the next moment, you know, you, there's no point, there's no difficulty in traveling. Um, you know, the difficulty is actually in staying here. <laughs> so the, the jitta has the, the potential to, to be anywhere. It's got that possibility. It's not tethered to, to a, a location. It's not tethered to this apparent physical reality. So this means that once you, once you begin to connect the citta to something that it can connect to rather than it kind of flittering around looking for some whim or wish or thought or stimulation you connect it to a breath where it actually can resonate it can feel that, and it can touch that and it can be, flow along with it then the breath and the mind, or the breath and the citta bond together they, they, they link together and then with the inclination of the jitta, you can send that energy through your body. So with the inclination <laughs> of the jitta, you can embrace the whole body. You can suffuse the whole body. You can extend your heart. You can extend awareness through your whole body. And we're not, at this moment, we're not talking about toes and arms and legs. It's just saying this entire field of body consciousness, you know, so let that energy flow through the entire field of bodily awareness. And it does. And then you can say, bring it down to one point, just one small point, and it does. So this is um, where one can then bring that kind of healing quality of energy through the whole body. You can regenerate yourself through, the, through, this, through this practice. And of course, you can you can also, when when you when you feel regenerated, you can then focus on particular points, and you can recollect, and you can you can you can refine that. So this is very much um, a faculty to be enhanced and cultivated, the faculty of energy. And it doesn't mean power, and it doesn't mean effort. It means the energy of well-being, the energy of wholeness, the energy of which is actually vital, one's vitality, if you like. And getting that vitality going, um, picking it up, giving it something to be, to be lifted up by, and then bringing it through the one into, into practice. The body 
is the 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 uh, place for healing energy. The body is the place where the mind will collect itself into that energy experience and pick up and restore itself from emotional tears and wounds and from confusion and agitation. And this is uh, the practice of samadhi is this way. So do try try uh, practicing breathing in this way, almost like it's just a um, you know uh, like a, 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 a yoga exercise to bring around your welfare, rather than something you've got to do to get right and stop your mind wandering. You know, kind of that attitude. Um, go to the, the 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 physical, the tactile experience of it the tactile experience of your body, then the tactile experience of your breath. Don't worry about it, you know, being blotchy and patchy, because it will only link up when there is a lot of goodwill. All that your mind has to do, really, is to keep putting in goodwill and contentment, a comforting, reassuring quality. That's all you need. You only need punishment and goading and... and uh, goal orientation, all you really need is just the the comforting, the reassuring and the contentment. And then you'll find that the mind, with that, with those kinds of medicines, the mind will settle in. Because it feels nice to do that. It feels happy. When you're sitting, when you stand, you walk, and really try to stay with body consciousness as an exercise, like, so when you stand up, you know, instead of just going to your head and thinking door, door, stairs, bed, tea, you know, so that your head's out there, already in the kitchen, you know, and the body has this kind of scuttle along behind it, <laughs> as best it can. <laughs> you know, so, well, okay, well, how does this thing operate? I want to get up. You know, I'd like to get up, please. Can I get up? Okay, so what do I have to do? You know, to take this whole thing, so we all move together, rather than the head out, and then the feet, you know, a few minutes later. But so, you know, actually, when you get the idea of standing up, check that, that surge. Just check that, relax it, and see where your energy went. Went it up to your head, into your neck? Did you feel yourself stiffen? Did you feel your connect? Shoulders immediately go up into, you know, into sort of the armoured state. Um, you don't, these don't, these, these things, they don't, they don't move, you know, they don't move your walking. Your walking happens from down here. So you get down at that point and relax your upper body. So really to be with the parts of the body that are required and to soften and relax the parts of the body that aren't required, the yielding, softening of that which is not needed is a supportive faculty. And to energize that which is needed. When you're doing your walking meditation, just check what's happening in your shoulders. Are you walking with your shoulders or your feet? 
and your shoulders kind of locked up? Or is it that you're walking from your, your feet and your shoulders can kind of flow along on top of that? They're, they're responsive to that, but they're not kind of, uh, they're not leading it. Does your head do the walking? You know, does it see a path and then think, I'm going to get there and then there and then backwards and forwards? Or is it, you know, don't walk with your eyes, but walk with your body. One step, one step, one step. When you eat your meal, what eats the food? Does your brain eat the food? Or is it actually your hands and your lips and your teeth and that? So it's really a bodily experience that you you focus on in that way. This is, makes it uh, a retreat experience quite a, um, a holiday from the, the pressures and the patterns of the brain. <coughs> 